with this tragedy, this mercy, this uh, killing. God, I just pray that you would be with the many families that are in sorrow and in grief. Be with the country of New Zealand. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. God bless you. My name is Sam and uh, yes, I'm in the Navy and where are my Navy brothers and sisters? Can let me, let me, yes, there we go. There we go. That's half the congregation right there, okay? So be kind to us. Be kind to us. Um, yes, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of serving in the Navy for quite some time, but enough of that. Uh, you know, Pastor Jim, uh, it's very coincidental that he happened to leave on this particular Sunday because I get the, the rare opportunity to talk about a brilliant topic, and Pastor Jim just timed it just right and went to Hawaii, and by the way, he's listening by podcast, so on the count of three, we're going to say aloha from San Diego, Coronado, all right? One, two, three, aloha. So Pastor Jim, Pat, have a great time in, in Hawaii, and uh, I'll get back, to, back with you on this uh, topic. But, uh, well, uh, so children, come on up. We got something special for you. Come on, kids, come on up. That's right. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, these are the future of America right here. So we got to love on them. What a handsome bunch that, it, that is. Well, hello. Hi, everybody. You can just call me Chaplain Sam. So how many of you want to drive a car one day? Okay, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So if your parents are out there, I want you to look at them. Okay. And I want you to say this. Uh, after, th uh, after I count to three, I want you to say, one day, I'm going to drive your car. All right? Go ahead. One, two, three. One day, I'm going to drive your car. Oh, my. <laughs> Heaven forbid. My goodness. Okay, so, so yes, uh, you know, everybody grows up. Uh, my son just took his driver's test, and he's 16, and I'm just thinking, wow, how is this going to work? Whose car is going to borrow, my wife's or mine? Oh, we're still dealing with that. So, um, yeah, so kids, if you want to drive a car one day, you have to learn the rules. There are many rules to drive a car out there. And so, you know, right, and I just heard it. Why do you think there are rules? Why do you think so? Right. That's right. Great, comprehensive. Boy, you already, you already passed half the driver's test, man. That's cool. And what about you? That's right. Give me five, man. You're on the way. Right, you're on the way. Oh, and why? You, you, know, you, you have to learn how to steer the driver or steer the car. Right, right, right. All great answers, right. And so just like he said and some of you said, you know, there are rules out there to keep us safe. Not to, not to bum us out because we've got all these rules, but it's to keep us safe. And, you know, today or th soon you're going to be going to your class. And soon 
your, your teacher is probably going to open this book and share a little bit about God's rules. And so when you do that, don't, you know, just look at that and say, you know, these rules are here to protect me because God loves you. That's why we have rules in God's word. All right. So with that, let's pray. God in heaven, I just thank you for these kids, our future. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to just supply them every need. Thank you for their parents. Teach them, Lord, that your rules are good and that they will protect them for the rest of their life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, have a great day at class. Speaking about rules, the Ten Commandments. We're, if you're new, uh, by the way, if you're new today, this morning, can you just raise your hand? Any newcomers today? Oh, there's some right there. Let's give them a hand. Two groups right there. Great. Thank you for coming by. Thank you for coming by. Um, so the pastor, Pastor Jim, I'm the Hispanic version of Pastor Jim, by the way. Um, so he... Uh, we are going through a series of, uh, it's called the Ten Commandments, of course, and we are on commandment number six. But for review, we're going to show on the big screen some of them. Why don't, why don't we say this together? Commandment number one, no other gods before or beside me. Number two, in spirit, not with idols. Number three, don't use his name in vain. And number four, Number five, and then today's lesson is thou shall not commit adultery. A tough topic. As I was uh, praying, researching, looking at this, thinking, oh my goodness, what a topic. <laughs> As if you were thrilled to come to church to talk about this. But you know what? The Lord actually started working in my heart, and there's something I need to say. The sin of adultery is far more lethal and destructive than, I think, than lying, stealing, and murder combined. Adultery, being deceptive by nature, aims to steal the heart of the married spouse for their own purpose and pleasure. Adultery threatens every household, every marriage, and every family. It is Satan's sharp tool that can cut and mangle a marriage into two, seemingly never to be whole again. So before you check out the sermons, uh, check out of this sermon topic or say to yourself, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not an adulteress by any stretch of the imagination. Think again, for even Jesus our Lord said to his followers, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully already has committed adultery with her in his heart. So my hope is after this morning, you'll be better equipped to know when the temptation to have an emotional or physical affair is coming close to your heart. God's instruction is clear. Don't commit adultery. And so my hope is that we will discover together through God's illuminating word how to put this godly commandment into our daily routine. So that we would never cross that line, physically or emotionally, with God's help. Let's allow God to fill up our minds with his thoughts and his perfect ways. And we'll do this 
by starting at the beginning and understand the value and the view of biblical marriage. I always wanted to start there because I think that lays the foundation for what we'll talk about later. And this part is going to really uplift you, challenge you. It's going to let you know how to keep your marriage intact. Number one, marriage was established by God. And as you know, every pastor, when they talk about marriage, they'll always turn to Genesis 2. And as, as, you, were, uh, as you were told by, by Jamie, yes, I lead premarital classes on base with Marines and Navy sailors. And you know, it's, it's just amazing to me, more as the years go by, less and less do they really understand where marriage came from. So it's so important to teach your children what is marriage? Or the world will tell your children, what is marriage? And that's a scary thought. Who established marriage? God did. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Another foundational truth is that marriage should be held in high honor among all. Should be held in high honor among all. Hebrews 13.4. Today, it isn't. But God's truth says that it is and should be. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Number three, and I really like this one, marriage is the platform for human intimacy to be expressed. How? To unify both husband and wife. Matthew 19.6. To be a source of enjoyment. Genesis 2.18. And to result in the procreation of children if it is in God's will. So marriage is a permanent bond, number four, and only dissolvable by death of either partner, Matthew 19.6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. These are four foundational truths that I teach in my classes that many pastors will, will talk about from the pulpit or in classrooms. These are the four foundational truths that you can take to the bank, that you can share with your own children as they grow up, the foundations of marriage. These four points paint a beautiful picture of oneness in marriage, and that is the goal, designed and authored by God himself. In the end, Adam was never to be alone again, hallelujah, while Eve became his helpmate and counterpart. Together they became stronger in the Garden of Eden, much more effective than apart. And their joy became complete as they learned to serve each other and learned to love each other unconditionally as they worked and lived in God's garden in harmony and peace. That's what marriage is all about from God's point of view. God created marriage to have purpose and fulfillment, and it is the bedrock of every family unit. With that in mind, We now have to talk about how Satan, the enemy of God, aims to kill and destroy, as John 10.10 illustrates. All that God has created to include the very institution of your marriage. Sin of adultery. Adultery defined as 
sexual relations at which at least one participant is married uh, to someone else, or as Mr. Merriam-Webster says, voluntary sexual intercourse between married persons and someone other than a person's current spouse or partner. So we knew that. But in Proverbs 7, by the way, and I learned this as a little guy. My dad was a pastor uh, for Hispanic congregations in Los Angeles. And I remember one day he took me aside um, and my brothers, and he flipped over to Proverbs 7. And if you've never seen Proverbs 7, uh, you really need to, especially teach it to your, your sons and your daughters, especially your sons. Proverbs 7 is a vivid detail whether single or married, of how one becomes entangled with adultery. That's why I really believe that you should do it. If, if you do read it with your son or your daughter, please be with them when you do that. Um, as you read the account of the young man who lacked judgment, verse 7, who would walk in direction of a woman whose intent was to meet him at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, Verse 9, you get that sense that he wanted to embrace this married woman no matter the cost or consequence. With her husband gone for days, Scripture describes her crafty intent to invite this man to, his, to her house and bed for the night. Verse 10, and then says what he hoped for her to say, I looked for you and I found you. Come, let's drink deep love till the morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love for my husband is not home. Verse 17, 18. Wow. That's pretty vivid, very descriptive. However, a far subtler way to commit adultery is through our own thought life, according to Jesus in the Gospels. In Matthew 5, Jesus mentions this sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and then expands the commandment to include our own thought life. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart, Matthew 5, 27, 28. Other passages that urge the Christians to keep their mind from sin or watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life in Proverbs 4. The good man of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Luke 6, 45. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Or let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Proverbs 4, 25. Or Job 31, 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze at a virgin? Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on these things above, not on the things that are on earth. So I'll be the first one to say, I have fallen. And I have taken, I have not taken every thought in obedience to Christ. Too easy, my friends. Far too easy. And my responsibility, if I am God's child, is to ask for God's forgiveness and cleansing so that I can stand not only clean in front of a holy God, but clean in front of my own wife each and every day. So whether we are single or married, can we just all admit that we all need to ask God for his forgiveness and his grace and his cleansing. Amen. Christians, remember that Satan's attack on 
Biblical marriage is sinister and strategic. And his goal is to undermine and injure the family unit, ripping apart the foundation that God has already established. He will start his attacks in our thought life first, hoping that one day we will act upon our evil thoughts in real time and space. And Satan is very patient, my friends. He will wait you out 10, 20, 30 years, no matter. He'll wait and then snare you when you least suspect it. So Christians, beware. You know, I look at that account in Genesis, Cain and Abel, you know the story, brothers who were serving the Lord, one as a farmer, the other as a hunter. And it was time for them to offer a sacrifice to God. And they did. And yet, Cain's offering was not acceptable to God. And he became angry. And God saw him and said, why are you downcast? What's up? And Cain didn't answer. And God gave him a rhetorical question and said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And just for a scary moment, Cain could have stopped right there and said, I'm not right. But he didn't. And he chose his path and killed his brother. God is not a God of anything goes. God is a God of righteousness. God looks beyond the offering. He sees through the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. And we must approach God in faith and with a mind that is fully aware of who he is. For he is worthy to receive our praise. Amen? In summary, this sin called adultery, to include that which is committed in our hearts, is a subtle way to disrupt the intimacy you already have with your spouse. And then there's pornography. Multi-billion dollar industry. Slain young and old in its path. Starting with their thought life. Its goal is to rob you of your money. That's for sure. Your mind. Your feelings of intimacy you had with your spouse if you are married, or forever change up the view you have of the opposite sex, if you are single, and leave you with what? Nothing. Emptiness. I've counseled many Marines and sailors on this topic alone. And after the months, years of an addiction and pornography, I asked them rhetorically, so, what did you gain? 
broken marriage? Nothing? Christians, you must fight back the urge to let your mind and heart settle for less. I want to give you a vivid account of how sin that starts in the mind can manifest itself into the physical world of time and space. I remember I was at Camp Pendleton and the CO called me and said, Chaplain, need you in my office right away. Yes, sir, I'm coming up and I'm telling you there's, it's not going to be good. But uh, please, I need your help. So I came up. There's a CO and the XO and Sergeant Major, the, the three highest in command of a 400-man unit. And, uh, and they had long faces and they were very concerned. The CO came in. He said, Chaplain, go ahead and shut the door. Um, pretty soon, FBI is going to be on their way. Um, they're going to have to make an arrest of one of our Marines. And I need you to be here when that happens because we're going to offer the Marine the opportunity to maybe talk to you before they take him away. This is going to be a forced um, arrest. Pretty bad, I said and thought. And uh, all of a sudden, the FBI, two agents came in, FBI, handcuffs, warrant, federal warrant for arrest of a particular staff sergeant. When the name was released to the CO, I saw a shock in his face. What? Staff Sergeant so-and-so? How could this be? And what, what's the alleged crimes? Well, sir, there are five felonies. Uh, production of pornography, child pornography, sale and distribution, uh, money, money laundering, and the list goes on. And uh, when the young Marine came in, he was told, you need to come and see the CO. He had no clue, and that's the way they wanted it. The federal, uh, uh, the FBI agents read the felony count and, uh, and then arrested him, uh, gave him his rights. Then the CO looked at him and said, here's a chaplain, you can talk to him if you like, but you're going to have to go right after this. He said, yes, I'd like to talk about this. Now, I want you to key on this conversation I had. It wasn't long. So here I am, FBI agents, everybody out of the room. I'm left with one person who's handcuffed now. And I said, uh, Staff Sergeant, what, what can I do for you? Which I thought was appropriate. And the thing that shocked me was what he said. He said, Chaplain... I'm, I'm a little upset. I said, yes. He says, I can't believe that they're taking this so seriously. This isn't a big deal. And I was shocked when I heard that response. I said, you know, these are felony level on a governmental level. I mean, this is pretty bad. And he said, chaplain, it's not as bad as they think. I don't understand. There was a young man who had been, and we found out, who had been doing this for 11 years. 11 years. And who hit it pretty well for the Marine Corps. 
and was so convinced over time that it wasn't a big deal. It was a part of normal life. His mind and conscience were seared. He could not recognize good from evil. My friends, that is how it really works. And that's what we need to do to fight against. I'm going to give you ways of how we can battle this. Adultery, whether emotional, thought life, or in real time. Realize that your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the very principles of evil. And Galatians 6 gives you a vivid account of what that's all about. Take up the armor of God and stand firm. Galatians 6. Be smart and ask someone to hold you accountable. Your spouse, trusted friend, your pastor, your youth minister, someone. And memorize scripture. I want to home, home in on that one. So as a young man, especially in college, I was uh, part of the navigator ministry while I was going to San Diego State before I joined the Navy. God bless the navigators because they, they kind of really drilled it into me that, oh, chaplain, you know, we, we have this, this pack of cards and, and you're going to memorize them. And, 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 and this is just the navigator way. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you know the navigators, that's kind of like their hallmark. They have lots of memory cards, and, and I loved them, and, and memorized many scriptures, and I, and I really thank God for, for that type of instruction, because those verses still reside up here, and what they do is they keep you from sin. How do they do that? Well, you know how it works. That thought, that inclination, that temptation, whatever, and then all of a sudden, God's Holy Spirit voice seemingly will rush into your consciousness and say, what are you doing? Where are you going? Why are you looking? Have you ever thought that? I, I mean, have you ever been through that experience? And that is God's way to say to you, I love you and I want you back. Don't go there. Never out of just rash anger, but more of concern. Memory verses are great in that way because they really, really can help you, especially in the time of temptation. We're going to show some additional resources. Next slide. Oh, yes. My goodness, I'm telling you, in today's Christian kingdom that God has set up here, we have resources for all sorts of maladies in marriage. Things that can build up your marriage. And I just wanted to paint a few. Some of these things I've actually done myself with my wife, Karen. Uh, take the love language personal profile. Hey, have you, how many of you read the, love, the five love languages? If you haven't read the five love, love languages, I'm telling you, it's a must read. It is so good. It is good for evil singles. I read it as a single man. And it was great. I know what my love language is. And I know what my spouse's love language is. And we've even kind of spilt that over to our kids. We, we have four kids. We know what their love languages are. And it's good to know how we can work together. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to read the book. 
the five love languages. Bestseller uh, by Gary Chapman. See how you and your spouse are built differently and how you both respond to love. Learn how to relate with your spouse, knowing what their love language is. One of the best resources of all time. Take the focus on the family marriage assessment. My wife was telling me about this uh, uh, last night by Dr. Gary Smalley, one of my favorite authors. Marriage and family therapist and guru on marriage for many, many, many years. How many of you know Dr. Gary Smalley? Isn't he great? Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, if you take this marriage assessment, it strengthens, uh, it, you, you, you can see how you can strengthen your 12, straight, uh, 12 traits of your marriage. Okay, so you take it, your wife take it, you analyze both the data together, and it's, a, it's really a great resource. Third, Shante Feldman's, For Women Only, For Men Only. Have you read that book? How many of you have read that book? Awesome book. I have purchased this book, the men and the women copy or editions, had it for my Marines. I can't keep it on my shelf. Every family that is struggling in marriage, in, in, in any facet of marriage, um, I, I quickly give this resource and they can't take their hands off of it. It's a great resource where both the Feldmans, Mr. and Mrs., write each of the corresponding books, you know, from their point of view. Um, so excellent resource, gender-specific but complementary in its teaching, groundbreaking research, a must-read. For a marriage in crisis, focus on the family. God bless focus on the family, right? Has multiple resources. You go to their webpage, and I'm telling you, it'll take you an hour to just go through all the hyperlinks, including information on their three- to five-day marriage intensives retreat. Uh, His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage by William F. Harley Jr. Sound practical steps for implementing a plan for an affair-proof marriage. Uh, by the way, on fair, uh, an affair-proof marriage, I've got to tell you about, and we know who he is, Reverend Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, um, and if you have his, his book, uh, Billy Graham's book, um, he, he starts to reveal his relationship uh, throughout the book about uh, his love relationship with his wife. And uh, Billy Graham um, took the time to set some boundaries in his own life. Uh, for example, men, I want you to listen to this. Um, he has standards which include, I will not eat with a woman at, in public at a restaurant or in private, unless it's my wife. Why did he do that? And he says in his book, I don't even want the appearance of evil. I don't want people to even think that there's something going on. He took it a step further. He refused to go on an elevator car if there was one person and it was a woman. He let it go. My goodness. He put, some, he put some boundaries and fences in his life to keep him away from the sin of temptation on either side. For us chaplains, uh, and in fact, I, 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 love, I, I, I insist on doing this, I have windows built into my doors of my office so that anyone 
can come by and see that the chaplain is talking with so-and-so and there's nothing going on. And I love that. For my own protection and for everybody's protection. My wife especially likes that and appreciates that. Especially when I go to a new command and finds out there isn't a window in the door and she says, well, honey, are you going to let them know? Yes, I am. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Another one, uh, another resource, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Igrich. H have you heard about Love and Respect? Awesome, awesome resource. Uh, excellent resource for teaching small classes. Uh, it's a book study. They got a video series. Uh, it's great. Teaches you the differences between men and women and how to blend the two. And then on the pornography level, Every Man's Battle by Stephen Archibarn. Artburn, Fred Stoker, best-selling book, teaching men how to stay away from pornography and honor their wives. Great resource. Multiple marriage conferences and retreats that are offered throughout the year, like Weekend to Remember. My wife and I have done at least six or seven in, in our 26 years of marriage by Family Life or Steve Artiburn's New Life Weekends, Finding Freedom in the Coast, uh, which is, uh, by the way, on May 3rd to 5th in the Costa Mesa area. Uh, he's actually going to be uh, in town, uh, and again, it's called the New Life Weekends, Finding Freedom. If I put all that information in that insert, you can reference that, look at some of the book, see what applies. If you have a friend or a family member that you think this, this might be a great resource for them, please take the list. Well, as I summarize, you know, on this topic, do not commit adultery, I want you to remember that Satan wants you not to think that he's around. I use the famous cockroach story with my Marines and sailors. Have you ever been to a house that is infected by roaches? Pretty gross, I know. And maybe, maybe it's dark in the house and you come in and you flip on the light and what do you see for a split second? Roaches everywhere. Pretty gross, right? And as soon as you hit that, and then as soon as you do that, what happens a second later? They're all gone. Every last one of those buggers. Isn't it amazing? They're there, but they're not there. You saw them for a glimpse, and then they escaped. I likened Satan to be the nastiest cockroach I have ever seen or known. Because he will do that. He will come into your life or your marriage or your family or your mind. You might see him every once in a while and then he'll hide. In the Bible it says that when we are in the light, Everything is exposed, every thought, every inclination. But don't be afraid. That's actually a good thing. You would want your thoughts and your inclinations to be in the light. You would want to live in the light. When you live in the light, you have no worries. You don't have to look what's behind you. You don't have to hide things. You don't have to lie to your spouse. You don't have to do any of that. And you can live in freedom and harmony with the one that God gave you. Isn't that much more st less stressful 
than the counter. Satan is roaring like a lion, and he wants to take us down. Our job is to take up the armor of God in Galatians 6 and find freedom and hope. Well, let us pray. Lord in heaven, I just thank you so much for being a part of our morning, Lord, on a difficult subject. And Lord, I have no idea where people are, whether they're struggling or not, whether they have family members or friends or co-workers. But I do pray, Lord, that you would use this message and use this day on a solemn, on a solemn note to take inventory and account of where they are. Where they are with their thought life. Where they are with their marriage. Lord, help us not to be afraid of you. You are love. You are forgiveness. You want us to come back to you. Lord, I also thank you for the many marriages that are in this room that are still walking in obedience that still love you and love their spouse. And they get how important it is to take captive every thought. Lord, empower our families to stay vigilant against evil. And Lord, for those who may not know you, who may struggle with all of life, who do not know how to even start a relationship with you, God in heaven, please empower and invite every man, woman, child to come to you and to accept you as your personal Savior who can give us life and life anew. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for First Baptist Church of Coronado, the leaders that are here and we pray in Jesus' name that you would come and fill us with your Holy Spirit before we leave this place. Again, we also pray for the families that are struggling in New Zealand. May the New Zealand Christians show themselves. May they have mercy and compassion. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.